princess from the famous story Aladdin. But how did she become a princess? Is the original story darker than the Disney and other remakes that we know today? Did Aladdin's father really die from his son being such a loser? No joke. Does Aladdin sneak and watch the princess bathe naked against her father's wishes? Does Aladdin try to buy the princess with gold and gems? Did he even offer her father 40 basins filled with gold that carried by 40 black slaves and 40 white slaves? Is there two genies, one in a ring and one in a lamp, in the original version? It's time for me to answer all these questions and more, since this is A-S-M-R. Aaron, back at it again with another daily video to help you relax. So lay back and enjoy the ride. I hope this read helps you get you through your day, or even better. I hope this video helps you gently fall asleep. I can't wait to get started. This is the tale of Aladdin. Once lived a poor tailor who had a son called Aladdin, a careless idle boy who would do nothing but play ball all day long in the streets with his little idle boys like himself. This so grieved the father that he died yet in spite of his mother's tears and prayers. Aladdin did not mend his ways. One day, when he was playing in the streets as usual, a stranger asked him his age and if he was not the son of Mustafa the tailor. I am, sir, replied Aladdin, but he died a long while ago. On this, the stranger, who was a famous African magician, fell on his neck and kissed him, saying, I am your uncle and knew you from your likeness to my brother. Go to your mother and tell her I am coming. Aladdin ran home and told his mother of this newly found uncle. Indeed, child, she said, your father had a brother, but I always thought he was dead. However, she prepared supper and bade Aladdin seek his uncle who came laden with fine wine and fruit. He presently fell down and kissed the palace, where Mustafi used to sit, bidding Aladdin's mother not to surprise, at not having seen him before, as he had been forty years out of the country. He then turned to Aladdin, and asked him his trade. 
at which the boy hung his head while his mother burst into tears on learning that Aladdin was idle and would not learn no trade. He offered to take a shop for him and stock it with merchandise. Next day, he bought Aladdin a fine suit of clothes and took him all over the city, showing him the sights, and brought him home at nightfall to his mother, who was overjoyed to see her son so fine. The next day, the magician led Aladdin into a beautiful gardens a long way outside the city gates. They sat down by a fountain, and the magician pulled a cake from his girdle, which he divided between them. They then journeyed onward till they almost reached the mountains. Aladdin was so tired that he begged to go back, but the magician begittled him with pleasant stories and led him on in spite of himself. At last they came to two mountains divided by a narrow valley. We will go no further, said the false uncle. I will show you something wonderful. Only do you gather up sticks while I kindle a fire. When it was lit with the magician threw on it a powder he had him. At the same time, saying some magical words, the earth trembled a little and opened in front of them, disclosing a square, flat stone with a brass ring in the middle to raise it by. Aladdin tried to run away, but the magician caught him and gave him a blow that knocked him down. What was I done, uncle? What have I done? He said piously, Whereupon the magician said more kindly, Fear nothing, but obey me. Beneath this stone lies a treasure, which is to be yours, and no one else may touch it. So you must do exactly as I tell you. At the word treasure, Aladdin forgot his fears and grasped the ring, as he was told, saying the names of his father and his grandfather, and the stone came up quite easily. The steps appeared. Go down, the magician said. At the foot of those steps, you will find an open door leading into a large halls. Tuck up your gown and go through them without touching anything, or you will die instantaneously. Those halls led into a garden of fine fruit trees. Walk on until you come to a niche in the terrace where stands a lightened lamp. Pour out the oil it contains and bring it to me. He drew a ring from his finger and gave it to Aladdin, bidding him prosper. Aladdin found everything as the magician had said, gathered some fruit off the trees, and having gotten the lamp, arrived to the mouth of the cave. The magician cried out in a great hurry, Make haste and give me the lamp. This Aladdin refused to do until he was out of the cave. The magician flew into a terrible passion, and throwing some more powder onto the fire, he said something, 
and the stone rolled back into its place. The magician left Persia forever, which plainly showed that he was so not an uncle of Wens, but a cunning magician who had read in his magic book of the wonderful lamp, which would make him the most powerful man in the world. Through he alone knew where to find it. He could only receive it from the hand of another. He had picked out the foolish Aladdin for this purpose, intending to get the lamp and kill him afterwards. For two days, Aladdin remained in the dark, crying and laminating. At last, he clasped his hands in prayer, and in doing so, rubbed the ring, which the magician had forgotten to take from him. Immediately, an enormous and frightful genie rose out of the earth, saying, What would else thou with me? I am the slave of the ring, and will obey thee in all things. Aladdin fiercely replied, Deliver me from this place. Whereupon the earth opened, and he found himself outside. As soon as his eyes could bear the light, he went home, but fainted on the threshold. When he came to himself, he told his mother that he had passed and showed her the lamp, and the fruits he had gathered him in the garden, which were in reality precious stones. He then asked for some food. Alas, child, she said, I have nothing in the house, but I have spun a little cotton, and will go and sell it. Aladdin bade her keep her cotton, for he would sell the lamp instead. As it was very dirty, she began to rub it, that it might fetch a higher price. Instantly, hideous genie appeared and asked what she would have. She fainted away, but Aladdin snatched the lamp and said boldly, Fetch me something to eat. The genie returned with a silver bowl and twelve silver plates containing rich meats, two silver cups, and two bottles of wine. Aladdin, mother, when she came to herself, said, Whence comes the splendor feast? Ask not, but eat, replied Aladdin. So they sat at breakfast till it was dinner time. And Aladdin told his mother about the lamp. She begged him to sell it and have nothing to do with the devils. No, said Aladdin, since chance hath made us aware of this virtues, we shall use it. And the ring likewise, which I shall always wear on my finger. When they had eaten all the genie had brought, Aladdin sold one of the silver plates, and so on, until none were left. He then had recourse to the genie, who gave him another set of plates, and thus they lived for many years. One day Aladdin heard an order from the sultan that proclaimed that everyone was to stay at home and close his shutters, while the princess, his daughter, went to and from the bath. Aladdin was seized by a desire to see her face, which was very difficult, 
as she always went to the veiled. He hid himself behind the door of the bath and peeped through a chink. The princess lifted her veil as she went in and lifted it so beautifully that Aladdin fell in love with her at first sight. He went home so changed that his mother was frightened. He told her he loved this princess so deeply that he could not live without her and meant to ask her in marriage or her father. His mother, on hearing this, burst out laughing, but Aladdin, at the last prevailed upon her to go before the sultan and carry this request. She fetched a napkin and laid it the magic fruits from the enchanted garden, which sparkled and shone like the most beautiful jewels. She took these with her to please the sultan and set out trusting in the lamp. The grand vizier and the lords of the council had just gone in, and she entered the hall and placed herself in front of the sultan. He, however, took no notice of her. She went every day for a week and stood in the same place. When the council broke up on the sixth day, the sultan said to his vizier, I see a certain woman in the audience chamber every day carrying the same thing on the napkin. Call her next time that I may find out what she wants. The next day, at the sign from the vizier, she went up to the foot of the throne and remained kneeling till the sultan said to her, Rise, good woman, and tell me what you want. She hesitated to see the sultan sent away all but the vizier and bade her to speak freely, promised to forgive her beforehand for anything she might say. She then told him of her son's violent love for the princess. I pray him to forget her, she said, but in vain he threatened to do some desperate deed if I refused to go and ask for your majesty for the hand of the princess. Now I pray you to forgive me, not me alone, but my son, Aladdin. The sultan asked her kindly what she had in the napkin, whereupon she unfolded the jewels and presented them. He was thunderstruck, and turning to the vizier said, What sawest thou? Ought I not to bestow the princess on one who values her at such a price? The vizier, who wanted her for his own son, begged the sultan to withhold her for three months, and in the course of which he hoped his son would contrive to make him a richer present. The sultan granted this, and told the land mother that thou hast consented to the marriage. She must not appear before him again for three months. Aladdin waited patiently for nearly three months, but after two had elapsed, his mother, going into the city to buy oil, found everyone rejoicing and asked what was going on. Do you not know, was the answer, that the son of the Grand Vizier is to marry the Sultan's daughter tonight? Breathless, she ran and told Aladdin, who was overwhelmed at first, but presently 
bethought him of the lamp. He rubbed it, and the genie appeared, saying, What is thy will? Replied, Aladdin replied, The sultan, as thou known, has broken his promise to me, and the vizier's son is to have the princess. My command is that tonight we bring Hadir, the bride and the bridegroom. Master, I obey, said the genie. Aladdin then went to his chamber, where sure enough, at midnight, the genie transported the bed containing the vizier's son and the princess. Take this new married man, he said, and put him outside in the cold and return at daybreak. Whereupon the genie took the vizier's son out of bed, leaving Aladdin with the princess. Fear nothing, Aladdin said to her. You are my wife. Promise to me your unjust father, and no harm shall come to you. The princess was too frightened to speak, and passed the most miserable night of her life. While Aladdin lay down beside her and sleep soundly, at the appointed hour the genie fetched in the shivering bedroom, laid him in the place, and transported the bed back to the palace. Presently the sultan came to wish his daughter a good morning. The unhappy vizier's son jumped up and bed himself, while the princess would not say a word and was very sorrowful, the sultan sent her mother to her, who said, How comes it, child, that you will not speak to your father? What has happened? The princess see deeply, and at last told her mother how during the night the bed had been carried into some strange house, and what had passed there, her mother did not believe her in the least, but bade her and rise and considered the ideal dream. The following night, exactly the same thing happens, and the next morning, on the princess' refusal to speak the sultan's threat and to cut off her head. She then confessed all bidding him to ask the vizier, son, if it were not so. The sultan told the vizier to ask his son, who owned the truth, adding that dearly, as he loved the princess, he had rather die than go through another such fearful night and wish to be separated from her. His wish was granted, and there was an end to the feasting and rejoicing. When the three months were over, Aladdin, his mother, to remind the sultan of the promise. She stood in the same place as before, and the sultan who had forgotten Aladdin at once remembered him and sent for her. On seeing her poverty, the sultan felt less inclined than ever to keep his word and asked his vizier's advice, who counseled him to set so high a value on the princess that no living man could come up to it. The sultan then turned to Aladdin's mother, saying, Good woman, a sultan must remember his promise, and I will remember mine. But your son must first send me forty basins of gold, brimful of jewels, carried by forty black slaves, 
led by as many white ones. Splendidly dressed, tell him that I await his answer. The mother of Aladdin's bowed low and went home. Thinking all was lost, she gave Aladdin the message, adding, He may wait long enough for your answer. No, not so long, mother, as you think, her son replied. I would do a great deal more than that for the princess. He summoned the genie, and in a few moments the eighty slaves arrived and filled up the small house in the garden. Aladdin made them set out to the palace, two and two, followed by his mother. They were so richly dressed and such splendid jewels in their girls that everyone crowded to see them and the basins of gold they carried on their heads. They entered the palace, and after kneeling before the sultan, stood in a half-circle round throne, with their arms crossed. While Aladdin, mother presented them to the sultan, he hesitated no longer, but said, Good woman, return and tell your son that I wait for him with open arms. She lost no time in telling Aladdin, bidding him to make haste. But Aladdin first called the genie. I want a scented bath, he said. A richly embroidered habit, a horse, surprising the sultan, and twenty slaves to attend me. Besides this, six slaves beautifully dressed to wait on my mother, and lastly, ten thousand pieces of gold in ten purses, no sooner said than done. Aladdin mounted his horse and passed through the streets. The slaves, strewing gold as they went, those who had played with him in his childhood knew him not. He had grown so handsome. When the sultan saw him, he came down from his throne, embraced him, and led him into the hall, where a feast was spread intended to marrying him to the princess that were very day. But Aladdin refused, saying, I must build a palace fit for her, and took his leave. Once home, he said to the genie, Build me a palace of the finest marble, set with jasper, a gate, and other precious stones. And in the middle, you shall build me a large hall, with a dome, its four walls of massy gold and silver, each side having six windows, whose lattices, all except one, which is to be left unfinished, must be set with diamonds and rubies. There must be stables and horses and grooms and slaves, and go see about it. The palace was finished by the next day, and the genie carried him there and showed him all his orders faithfully carried out, even to laying of the velvet carpet from Aladdin's palace to the sultan's. Aladdin's mother then dressed herself carefully and walked to the palace with her slaves, while she followed her own horseback. The sultan sent me musicians and trumpets and cymbalists to meet them, so that air resounded with music and cheers. She was taken to the princess, who saluted her 
and treated her with great honor. And the night the princess said goodbye to her father and set out on the carpet to Aladdin's place with his mother at her side and followed by hundred slaves. She was charmed at the sight of Aladdin who ran to receive her. Princess, he said, blame your beauty for my boldness if I have displeased you. She told him that having seen him she willingly obeyed her father in this matter. After the wedding had taken place, Aladdin led her into the hall where a feast was spread, and she supped with him, after which they danced till midnight. Next day, Aladdin invited the sultan to see the palace. On entering the hall with four and twenty windows, with their rubies and diamonds and emeralds, he cried, It is a world of wonder. There is only one thing that surprises me. Was it by accident that one window was left unfinished? No, sir, by design, returned Aladdin. I wished your majesty to have the glory of finishing the palace. The sultan was pleased and sent for the best jewelers in the city. He showed them the unfinished window and bade them fit it up like the others. Sir, replied their spokesman, we cannot find jewels enough. The sultan had his own fetched, which they soon used, but to no purpose, for in a month's time the work was not half done. Aladdin, knowing that the task was vain, bade them unto their work and carried the jewels back, and the genie finished the window at his command. The sultan was surprised to receive his jewels again, and visited Aladdin, who showed him the window finished. The sultan embraced him, the envious vizier meanwhile hinting that it was a work of enchantment. Aladdin had won the hearts of the people by his gentle bearing. He was made captain of the sultan's army and won several battles for him, but remained modest and courteous as before and lived thus in peace and carried out several years.